Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Doug, Aaron, and Roger join Anders. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, we got to talk about it. Uh, Doug's second favorite wrestler of all time, Judy Bagwell, finally passes away. Doug, your thoughts on this? This is really... Uh, I mean, <laughs> she definitely left her place in wrestling lore. Um I think it is kind of fun, though, I think, for the wrestlers when they were able to incorporate some family stuff into it, too, and bring some some things in. Um, So definitely sad. It was one of my favorite gimmick matches in WCW for the longest time. Um, But it is sad to hear of anybody's death. So that's all I have. Yeah, and uh, uh, Buff Bagwell uh, had announced it. Obviously, she was a major part in the later years of WCW. Some of them were really funny. Some of them, not so much. Uh, you know, she had a long life. She was 78 years old when she passed away. Sadly, she had dementia uh, towards the end, and she was battling it, which is, you know, from everything I've ever heard, is not a fun disease to have to go through. But, um, you know, she obviously left a mark on the wrestling world, uh, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah, um, you know, it's weird to think she'll always be associated with kind of the death of WCW, right? When you talk about the things that why WCW is no longer around, you know, Vince Russo, Judy Bagwell on the pole, you know, it's 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 infamous. Um, you know, I'm glad she got to live a long life, though, as Aaron alluded to anyone going through dementia. From what I've read, it is a very terrible I think they call it the long ending or something like that. Um, and it's it's very sad. So um, certainly rest in peace. But. What a strange legacy she's going to have for just, you know, being permanently associated with kind of that nail in the coffin for WCW. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, I always remember from uh, WCW and, of course, her, uh, you know, her son, Buff the Stuff, who... Anyways, um, so speaking of stuff that happened in Vegas, Moxley checked himself into rehab for alcohol addiction. Um, it's, it's, I'm glad to hear that he did it and, uh, he's the one who checked himself in. So kudos for him for doing that. Um, Roger, what do you think about, uh, him being able to check himself into rehab? Good for him. I'm, I'm glad that he realized that he had a problem because, you know, so many people live with not just alcohol problems, but so many other problems and, and fight through it or suffer in silence. And, you know, he was smart to say, hey, I need to fix this. You know, he just became a dad. So, you know, more so and not that it wasn't a problem before, but more so now that he's got a daughter, you want to make sure that, you know, you are right because, you know, raising children is difficult. Living life can be difficult. Wrestling is difficult. Um, and alcohol abuse is no joke. So so good for him for getting the help they needed. Sad to hear that he had to, to do it uh, and that he had the, the problem, but glad that he's getting the help that he is going to need. And glad he did it right away instead of waiting for, say, the end of the, the tournament that they, the number one contender tournament. For him to step up and say, right now, I need to get in now, um, you know, it kind of shows the urgency of it. So good for him to do it. Um, glad to see that you know he could be a beacon for other wrestlers uh, to show that even top name people uh, need help sometimes. So get the help that you need if you need it. 
Yeah. And to like put that, as you know, you mentioned, put that before the actual wrestling itself, you know, that's, that's a huge deal in order to do that. And we see so many times, you know, I, I hate to bring them up, but the Usos, right. Um, when, when you get multiple DUIs and you obviously have a problem. And I know, I, I remember in a previous episode, Roger, you said like, like he could like potentially end someone else's life, you know, by doing this or like, you know, potentially his own and he needs to get help. I think of anything else, this is Moxley like doing that. He realizes like, Hey, I am drinking way too much. I, this is how I am, uh, you know, what I'm doing to live. And so I need to get off this. And so I think that it's, it's a good thing. And, uh, I'm very happy that he did that. And, and you know, when he comes back, you know, it's going to be crazy, you know, like to, this is what he was like when he was drunk. What's he going to be like when he's sober, you know, like who knows, but uh, I, I'm glad. And I am looking forward to having him back in the ring. And especially much better that he decided to check himself in and not have a Jeff Hardy situation or worst case scenario, a Henry Ruggs situation where he kills someone and his life and their life is over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like, you know, like I mentioned, like with the Usos, it's like, you know, you want to do that before it's too late. So kudos to him. All right. So let's talk about something good instead of uh, all, all the negative stuff so far. AEW had their full gear pay-per-view. And uh, just, just there's a bunch of great matches, but let's just talk about uh, all four of them. Uh, MJF defeats Darvin Alley. Now, Doug, I could take it you like the match, but I'm more curious on what do you think about Darby's second loss at a pay-per-view in a row? I was a little surprised at that. Um, that was one of the things that I was thinking of picking Darby for that reason. But I actually like this. I like the fact that uh, because we'll get into uh, the title change later, but <laughs> um, definitely it was just something that I, I think MJF is the perfect person to start start building up a little bit more. You don't have very many top name heels in AEW. Uh, you have more so a lot of good faces going right now. So you need to build up some of the, the heels to, to go on and uh, face the the champion. Um, may his reign live long for a while. So it's I, I like it, but at the same time, I think Darby is so over, he could afford the loss. It's not like it's going to kill his career or anything like that. It wasn't even necessarily you would, what you would call a clean win. So... MJF can go on and do bigger and better feuds and Darby can go back to whooping butt and taking huge dives for very little uh, gain. You know, one thing uh, you brought up Darby, Darby Allen, he always, whenever uh, people talk about moves that he does, the one thing I always look at is the, in the AEW, no mercy, uh, better version. Um, the, him doing the, uh, what, what is it called? The, not the coffin drop. The coffin. Yeah. The, okay. When he does that, every time I think of Darby, I still see that. Like the, him in the video game. Like, wow, it's getting close. So, but yeah, Dar- Darby is, uh, he's something. Very impressive. Aaron. Yeah, I'm a big fan. And, and Doug definitely took the words out of my mouth because that's what I was thinking. It's like he can afford the loss. And MJF, uh, I'm not saying that he can't afford, but MJF is going to say he has two major losses, which is to Jericho and to Moxley. And both times his opponents cheated. So when he has lost, he said like, well, I only lost because they cheated. You know, like Moxley cheated in order to beat me and Jericho cheated. That's how he beat me. That's the only reason that they won. 
And I think that that's, you know, like a smart move because guess what? He can sit there. He can win. He can be cocky in his wins. And so having him defeat Darby, I think, you know, we all picked um, uh, MJF to win and it made sense. I am curious if they are going to have him not necessarily be the number one contender, but the number two contender, you know, uh, moving into the next set of pay-per-views. I don't know. I think maybe there could be unfinished business here. One of the things I like about AEW is that they don't have that typically. They just move on. They say like, you had your match. Now we're going to, we're, we're done. But I think that maybe we might see like a tag team potential here, or maybe even a trios. I don't know. Um, I think that there might be a little bit more, uh, you know, this is act one, I think not necessarily act three. Um, yeah, I think Aaron makes a good point. I don't, I think they will come back to this, but not for quite some time. Like I think the next time you see them fight will be when MJF is champion. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I believe MJF is the next guy to be the champion. He is the right guy. I think it'll happen at all out, but this was the right move. You know, if you, he made his four pillar speech, he's beaten all three of the other four pillars. He has established himself as the number one pillar. And that's fantastic. Aaron pointed out that he only has two losses. Both of those losses were under questionable circumstances. It basically allows him to continue saying that he's undefeated. The match was fantastic. Nobody. And I mean, absolutely nobody has a better Tope Suicida than Darby. He looks like he's coming at you like a bullet. It is phenomenal. It looks like it hurts. It's great. I love the match. I thought it was really cool the way that he beat him with a headlock takeover. It's just a good way to kind of play into MJF's character, even though we all know he knocked him out with the diamond dynamite. Going from here, I'm kind of ready to see MJF versus Wardlow. So I would love to see that match. And I think that's the type of match where Wardlow could beat MJF. And then at the following pay-per-view, MJF steals the title. And now you have a ready-made number one contender. So I would kind of like to see, you know, I'm sure Spears and Wardlow are eventually going to have some beef. And then Wardlow and MJF finally explode. And who knows, maybe it happens over the third uh, Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. That'd be a good time to do it if you want to trigger it. But I'm excited to see where this goes from here. I don't think there's any obvious choices. I don't think there's really going to be any bad choices great match great feud i think this was tied for the match tonight so i was really impressed with mjf and darby of course and i think darby's fine this isn't gonna hurt him at all he's bulletproof all right i was just curious what everyone thought about that i i i'm i'm i think he i don't know if he's bulletproof but i think he's up there where if he was to take a third loss at a pay-per-view i think we that's when i'd start questioning where they have him do it unless he was going to uh you know, be champion, uh, like world champion, then I kind of get it. But that's also something w- or WWE does. Anyways, yeah. so we had CM Punk take on Eddie Kingston. And, uh, you know, this is this one was uh, a little tricky for me because I thought, oh, so CM Punk's going to put him over. But I, gu- I guess it does make sense having CM Punk win again um, in this case. Uh, but, uh, you know, Roger, what did you think about uh, Punk going over uh, Kingston? Certainly the right call. Look, I like Eddie Kingston, great talker, but there are differences in tiers. Eddie Kingston is a very solid, high upper mid carter. CM Punk is a legit main eventer. That just is what it is. Not to say that Eddie Kingston could never be there, but right now as it stands, CM Punk is the guy drawing in viewers and it makes more sense in the story for Punk to win. I liked seeing Punk kind of sound heelish i like seeing maybe that we're done with just the hey cm punk is back love fest let's start to see the punk that we know the guy who's a little bit meaner on the mic the guy who doesn't necessarily need to cater to the fans the guy who's like hey i'm the best in the world and i'm here to prove it because as much as i enjoy face punk 
I think there's something to be said for when he can really let loose on the mic. You know, the pipe bomb didn't happen when he was a face. The pipe bomb happened when Punk decided he was going to tear into a face. And if you want to see the CM Punk that we know is there, he needs to be able to be a little bit edgier than he is when he's just kind of engaging in a love fest. And that's what I think Punk versus Eddie brought out, that edgier side of Punk. Straight edge, for in fact. <laughs> Uh, I, I love this match and all the hidden meanings and everything that was in this match was absolutely wonderful. Uh, I actually, I mean, I wasn't so hundred percent on CM Punk in this match. I thought this could be one that Eddie could steal away from CM Punk. And I thought it would have been okay. I think that if they really could have done a, uh, face heel turn aspect where they turn CM Punk heel and turn Eddie Kingston more face in this one because you did. You heard a lot of cheers for Eddie. There was CM Punk and then there was Eddie. So there was a lot of cheers in this. And I think that having CM Punk win uh, doesn't necessarily hurt Eddie Kingston either because he can become that lovable loser. Um, I mean, there's so many Chicago Cubs fans for whatever reason. I don't understand it. But you know what? There, it, there There's a basis for that. I get it. Um, but when CM Punk starts pulling off the John Cena moves, um, it's just, it was for me, I love that watching him do the, the, the setup and then started to go do the five knuckle shuffle and then Eddie flips him off and then CM Punk flips him off. I mean, I think there was more flip offs than there were actual moves maybe in this match, but it was pretty awesome. I think, I mean, it showed the true hatred for the, for each, uh, for these two. Uh, I really wish this would have had a longer setup. Um, but I love the setup that this did have the, just the interruption. It didn't seem like this was going to be something else. I, I do believe, uh, Tony Khan was even saying that there was another person set to face CM Punk for this pay-per-view. And then this one kind of just happened a little bit more organically and it, it happened. I want to see this again. I absolutely want to see this again later down the line and I want to see Eddie win, but at the same time, I think, it, it, again, just like what Roger said, CM Punk is definitely the main eventer out of this one. Eddie Kingston is, I wouldn't call him, I won't call him a B-plus player because I think he's an A-minus player, but uh, he he definitely is is in store for a big push, I think. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I definitely echo your guys' thoughts. And, you know, Punk, when he came back, obviously, you know, to see that moment was just insane. And then you see him, like, you know, every weekend, it's like you're happy to see him. But then, you know, part of you is like, okay, like, well, I've, I've seen him. Yeah, obviously, he was gone for seven years. I've seen him, you know, a handful of times now. And it's great, and you're happy to see him. And to see those heel tendencies come out, though, you're like, oh, actually, now I'm really happy to see him. Because there's a, a story. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, we got to see the person we haven't seen in a long time. It's like, hey, there's a story that's moving on here. And and that was something I really enjoyed. And, and I really liked, uh, I mean... One of the things I was kind of thinking about, like, I don't know if this would be a possibility, but, you know, if like him and Kingston move away, I was thinking like, uh, Doug, to your point, it was Wardlow was who they were potentially talking about against CM Punk. And like, so if CM Punk like teamed with Darby and Sting in like a trios match against, you know, Wardlow and MJF and, and uh, you know, uh, Sean Spears, that'd be kind of cool. And what if Punk turned on, not necessarily turned on Darby, but what if he got like frustrated because Darby lost and attacked Darby, you know, like... I mean, there could be some shades of gray that you could throw in there. And I think that's kind of, you know, similar to what this match was, because I don't think Eddie Kingston is a heel. 
necessarily he was teaming with Moxley. Like he was a face with an edge, you know, like he was a, you know, that Wolverine like character, you know, the, the chaotic good uh, person. And that's one of the things I really liked about this was it was a shade of gray. It wasn't necessarily just black versus white, you know? And I, this reminded me a little bit of like nineties wrestling, which really got me into this match. And um, in my opinion, this was, I mean, obviously it's only my opinion. This is my favorite match of the night. Um, you know, I know a lot of people obviously love the, the world title match and, you know, MJF and Darby, obviously really great matches. This is one though, that really hit out of the park for me. And I think maybe not because I went in with lower expectations, but I didn't expect what I got out of this match. So the next, so something interesting. So we took uh, Sammy Guevara and uh, Jay Lethal, which was shocking that he was signed by AEW, but kudos to him. Uh, They set it up for Dynamite. Uh, Did you like the fact that this was kind of like, didn't didn't it seem like this was a good place to put this though on the show, Aaron? Yeah, I thought this was kind of neat. It was right after the match um, that, uh, that the inner circle had. And so to have Jay Lethal come out, I, I think Jay Lethal is insanely talented. He's also fairly young too. I want to say he's like 35, 36. And you know, he's got like a 20 year career. Um, Yeah. Like he, I, he is incredibly talented. He spent a lot of time ringing on honor, obviously an impact as well. And so, you know, for him to go to AEW and then challenge Sammy right away, that's, that's kind of cool. Now, Andy, I know you're a big Jay lethal fan. Were you excited to see him out there? Uh, I'm kind of hoping he brings back the macho man gimmick, but you know, we can only hope, but, uh, it would be, I would, are you referencing black machismo? Yes. Yep. From impact. Yep. So, yeah, when he did that, I thought that was awesome. I mean, just everything about it was awesome. And it also, it was nice because, like, I got to see Macho Man, but you didn't get to see him for a long time. And I know Doug's a huge Macho Man fan. So seeing him come out, of course, you have to ask Doug, what does he think? And uh, so, Doug, what do you think about him possibly coming back as uh, his Macho character? Uh- I, I loved his uh, Black Machizo character. That was absolutely one of the amazing things that he has done. Uh, the other amazing thing that I think that he did was his little feud with Flair in Impact. And so I can't wait to see Jay Lethal versus Andrade. Because I think this would be a great time to bring that gimmick back when he comes out and does the flare and he takes off the jacket and does the elbow drop and the woos and everything and brings out flare to come out to be at the corner of one Andrade. Uh, I, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's poetry in motion going on. There's so much I love about Jay lethal and his, and his character work and everything that he does. Um, but at the same time, I also don't mind if he wants to be Jay lethal and do his own thing and build upon his own name. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do with Jay lethal that I think would be crowd pleasing and also great for, I mean, he will be something that is more of the, um, entertainment, I guess, aspect of sports wrestling. Um, but he can do it all. He is a very, very wonderful talent that, uh, will be much appreciated in AEW. I mean, I, I didn't really expect Lethal to show up. Like, he was not one of the people who was on my radar. Uh, happy for him. I enjoy him. Um, uh, Doug brought up a good point about the whole Flair thing. I, I feel like Ric Flair is 
toxic right now. And so I, I'm not so sure how many reference, you know, MGF basically did the famous flare strut and I swear they named every single nature boy except Ric Flair and very, made it very clear that they were avoiding, Oh, it's buddy Rogers. And it's somebody else I've never heard of. And I was like, okay, but you skipped the very obvious one that we all, you know, know. Um, but yeah, look, Jay Lethal, phenomenal wrestler. Uh, I was watching his match with AJ the other day in Ring of Honor, final battle. He, he's good. Um, I would be happy to see Black Machismo, but I have no problem with Jay Lethal just being Jay Lethal. I'm curious to see where he slots in. I'm curious to see what other Ring of Honor people show up because I think there's a lot of talent out there. And I don't just mean an AEW. I mean an Impact and NWA and places like that because you know there should be a spot. There's a lot of good wrestlers available right now. And I'm uh, actually really disappointed that you disrespected the name of Nature Boy Buddy Lindell because, you know, obviously he was at least the third most famous Nature Boy. <laughs> at least. Yeah. What's his best match? So that Andy, one that he had I, with I, that I other guy. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on. Hangman Adam Page wins the AEW world title from Kenny Omega and an absolutely amazing bout. Doug, I want to ask you first, because I know that obviously you are a giant Omega fan and I know we were talking before the show and, you know, kind of, he needs some time off. Was Paige the right one to, uh, to take the title away from him? Absolutely. Uh, I think they needed to pull the trigger a little bit sooner than, than this, but uh, I understand that some real life things happen. Uh, but Hangman was the person to take it off Omega it is, again, another storyline that has just been uh, building and building and building ever since we even went to Revolution and saw them in the tag match versus the Young Bucks where they were setting up that Hangman versus Omega and, and you've been waiting and waiting. And so this, I mean, I I guess spoiler alert for next month's where we do our end of the year awards, but this has to be a top contender for Feud of the Year just because they've been going at it for so long and to finally have the payoff where Hangman uh, defeats Omega is absolutely wonderful. Uh, and I, I will see how Hangman does in his title reign, however long it may be. Didn't Hangman get hurt at some point this year? Oh, I Yeah, uh, between being hurt and then also uh, the birth of his child. Those were the two things that he took off for. So, um, And again, good reasons, but at the same time, it's like, this was the storyline. This was supposed to be probably at an all out or an all in uh, one of their bigger events than full here. But it was just, you know, I know Roger and I were speaking at one time where have we missed the the time for Hangman to win? Now that we have, you know, CM Punk, we have Daniel Bryan, we have Adam Cole. You have so many other options now that Omega could lose the title to. Um, it was it was a wonder if Hangman was just just missed his opportunity and you know like I said it was it was a great storyline it's it finally got paid off um, hopefully Omega takes a, a good amount of time off to heal all of his uh, injuries uh, because he's been carrying the AEW brand for a long time uh, it's nice to see someone else take the mantle for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's. I'm actually I'm I'm really happy that he he is one of the champion. He's one of the four champions now that AEW's had. And the funny thing is they've been teasing that for a while. I I didn't know that they kept putting graphics of all four of them together, uh, even before this. So uh, interesting to say the least. But yeah, uh, I'm very happy for Hangman winning it. I think I think the match quality was really good. Uh, I don't know if it was match of the night, but it's uh, at least top two. So. 
But uh, yeah, I, I'm really, really uh, happy for for uh, Hangman being AEW World Champion. Yeah, uh, look, it was great. It was a fantastic moment. I'm, I'm happy you got to celebrate with the Dark Order. I will say I believe wholeheartedly it's a pay-per-view too late. Truth be told, this is like um, you know Austin winning at Backlash the night, the, the month after WrestleMania, as opposed to at WrestleMania. You know, if this closes all out, this match, this moment, we are calling all out arguably the greatest pay per view of all time, bar none. But was Full Gear great? Absolutely. Was All Out great? Absolutely. But this storyline, this conclusion, because look, Omega Christian 2 was okay. There was nothing particularly that was all that great about it. But the rest of that card was so good, and it, it felt so right, and we were so hot. You know, when they did the first kind of tease, and I'm not blaming Hangman, you know, family stuff comes first. As we said with Mox before, take care of your personal life first. The wrestling can rate. It just feels like they missed a little bit. Look, they recovered. I don't think it was bad. I'm glad Hangman is champion. I hope he has a nice, decent reign, hopefully lasting until at least all out of next year. Um, you wish it happened at all out. It couldn't. Good match. I hope, I really hope Omega takes whatever time off he needs to get healthy and bring himself back to full capacity because he has certainly earned it. Um, you know, I said about his reign at the beginning, it was awful. I did not enjoy it. From winners coming to basically right before Double of Nothing, I thought he had been one of the more disappointing things. And then he turned it on, and, right? That triple threat with Pac and Orange Cassidy was great. Then he started putting out some great matches with Jungle Boy and Christian, obviously concluded with Hangman. Fantastic work. Let's see where the story goes from here. I'm really excited to see Hangman versus his next contender. I'm excited to see the feuds. I'm glad he lived up to his potential. You just wish this could have been that culminating moment at what is arguably the biggest pay-per-view. That's all. And what do you think about Daniel Bryan uh, up next? So I think Brian Danielson in this spot is actually a good idea. Um, and the reason is that, you know, when Punk arrived, he said, I'm here to put over the young guys. When Danielson arrived, he said, I'm not here to play nice. I'm here to kick their heads off. So I like the idea of kind of an evil and he doesn't have to be a heel. He can just be aggressive. He can be violent. He can be, Hey, listen, young kid who couldn't get the job done until just now. I'm not easing up on you. I don't care how much the fans like you. I'm here to take the championship. You know, I'm the best in the world. You want to, you want to beat me. You're going to have to, you know, show me everything you have. And it also kind of continues the Danielson versus Omega feud, because if Danielson is able to win, that's another thing he's got up on Omega. Keith. He beat the guy Omega didn't beat. And if they both lose, all right, well, Hangman's beaten two of the top guys in the company. I, I think it's a win-win. The match will be really good, especially if Danielson starts to really get vicious against guys in the dark order and starts taking them out one by one. You could have a really hard-hitting you know, face versus face, but Danielson isn't the Daniel Bryan from WWE where he's pandering to the crowd. This is the American Dragon. He can get very mean. He can kick your head in. You know, There's a lot of shades of gray when it comes to Bryan, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I do agree, too. I mean, I think that uh, with Bryan Danielson, um, changing his character and not – I, like living in like a gimmick from WWE, which is actually impressive because he doesn't want the yes chance. He doesn't want the no chance. It's like, well, wow, that's impressive because that was like his big, that really put him to the next level. I thought, but him doing that, that just says something that he's like, I'm, I'm, I could be a main event if I want to, but I just want to kick them as hard as possible. Yeah. And I, you know, Roger and I were very lucky to be there for a lot of Danielson's uh, biggest moments in his life, you know, uh, from the time that I feel like we turned the WWE, you know, to kind of think about him actually in the main event of, of WrestleMania and also his retirement, you know, uh, we're there for, you know, some of his biggest moments. And so to have him back in the squared circle again is 
amazing. And I'm so glad that he's here. You know, I thought that he was going to lose this match. I think everybody else did too. I think everyone, you know, was thinking like, Oh, Miro this, you know, you're going to have a face win. So, you know, have Miro be the next challenger. It kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, but Danielson, I think is fine in this position. I am curious though. And Doug, I, you know, I'm, want to know what you think do you have this at the next like you know they did like winners coming would you have that then or would you build this up until february where you have revolution um i would i would want it at uh, a bigger pay-per-view than a winner is coming or a, a tv pay-per-view but it kind of just depends on where they want to go with and how many d- title defenses they want to go with i mean do you do the CM Punk thing where you have like 400 matches in his year reign? Or do you do the Roman Reigns thing where he has almost a year in and has about 14 matches? So who knows? Um, but I, I, I don't mind if they wait just because this could be a very, very good match. Um, it has wonderful ties to a lot of other things. And I, I love the interview that uh, Brian Danielson did with uh, Tony Khan uh, after he was signed. He came in and he said, well, CM Punk came out and he said that he was going to be the person that takes on the young people and helps build them up. And I was really wanting to kind of do that, but I'm not going to do the same thing as him. So I'm coming out and I'm going to go for the title. I'm going to be your, your five-star match. I'm going to be the one that takes on the top names then. And I love that, uh, as Roger pointed out this is the Brian Danielson that's going to come out and kick your head off. And, and he can do that thing all while being the face. And he doesn't need the gimmick from WWE, the yes chance or anything like that, which apparently may be intellectual property of WWE. <laughs> they kind of hinted at that at the interview too. So I find that also funny is how can you say yes is a intellectual how can you property. Trademark but a word? Like it, yes. it was just one of the things that they, they said that they weren't going to, take on the headache or the the legal battle of it so the fans can do it all they want just daniel bryan's gonna you know he's gonna move on but that's also great for him so that he can be a different character than the daniel bryan that was in wwe and become his own own thing again so it's face versus face though and that's the only thing that kind of scares me because these are true two faces where you had cm punk versus eddie kingston and you could kind of see eddie kingston being more heelish um, it's, I, I don't know what I would want to compare it to. I definitely don't want to compare it to Hogan versus ultimate warrior. Um, but it's just one of those things where it, I, I don't think that this should be the next title defense for hangman. It shouldn't be Brian Danielson. Um, but at the same time, I think this is a great chance for, uh, Brian Danielson to do what he actually really wanted to do, which is promote some of the young people. So he could come in here. He can take the loss from hangman. It's not going to hurt him whatsoever, but it definitely would build up hangman as a legit title holder. So before we move on to WWE, Roger, I have a question for you and I want you to be, I want you to tell me the future. All right. I'm not going to ask for the Powerball. I'm not going to ask what stocks are going to go up tomorrow. What I'm going to ask is this Adam page, how long does he hold the title for and who does he lose it to? He will hold the title to all out 2022. He will lose it to him. Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. That, that has been my prediction all along. Mm-hmm. I believe MJF is next in line. I believe he is the perfect heel 
to take it off of Hangman, he will get such a visceral reaction, especially if he cheats, because that's something you really get people, you know, Omega's the only guy to do it. We saw how quickly that turned him heel. But yeah, I 100% think it is Maxwell Jacob Freeman. He all out, because if you think about MJF has never won it all out. Both of his losses, Moxley and Jericho have been it all out. So that's the perfect way for him to redeem himself and finally get that all out victory by him becoming the champion. All right, so let's move on to WWE. Um, there's not much to talk about. Uh, but their crown jewel happened. Uh, Roger got all of his picks, uh, surprisingly. So kudos to him. Uh, Reigns took on Lesnar. I don't understand this, but whatever. Uh, Aaron, do you want to even want to talk about the Lesnar-Reigns thing? Yeah. And uh, Doug, uh, what do you think about that? <sighs> Been here, done that. But that seems to be WWE's little thing to do is we're just going to keep going at it. Um, it's their biggest get, I guess. Is I mean, I I love Lesnar. I'm a mark for Lesnar. Anytime that Lesnar has anything, I'm I'm going to watch. I'm going to see it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to root for Lesnar to win every single time. Um, but again, we've been here. We've done this. It, Lesnar's won. Reigns is won. It's more 50-50 booking. It, you know, I, I do like the storyline dealing with Paul Heyman being in Roman Reigns' side, or is he? Uh, I thought this was a decent match at Crown Jewel where you had uh, Heyman on the side and he throws the title right in between both of them and kind of just turns his back and doesn't care who uses it on who. But then it was Roman that got it and used it on Lesnar and got the one, two, three. But it's... We've done this match so many times. Why are we trying to set up again Reigns versus Lesnar? Why can't they go on from this? Why can't we move on to Lesnar versus other people like a Bobby Lashley? You know, that's a match I would absolutely love to see. Um, but no, we just, you know, new era, same old. Yeah, I you know, I, I joked earlier where uh, I said, like, this is probably uh, act one in a show. And Roger had said this is actually act like 20. And I said, no, 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 this is the reboot. You know, this is the third Spider-Man that they're doing right now is this one. So uh, we're going to see heel Reigns versus face Lesnar. Um, I am curious, Andy, let me know what you think. Are they going to have, is this going to culminate with a match at WrestleMania? Is that what they're going to do? That's what they're yes, going to try to and, do to uh, fill at and Yes, that's what they're going to do. They're also going to tell their, um, all the people, all their investors that um, this is what they call long-term booking. If you don't know what that is, that's what this is. That's what they're going to say. However, I think it's, they don't know what to do. I, I think that they're like, okay, this is working. We'll just figure this out for the next few weeks or that hour. Um, and I think that's a huge problem because realistically crown jewel, uh, it sucked. Um, I forgot about it. I watched it. I was disappointed. Um, I disagree with that. Actually. I think I, crown jewel was the best WWE pay-per-view all year. Yeah. That's not saying much though. I know I mean, well, that legitimately top to bottom. It was actually probably one of the better shows that they put on. Now extreme rules had a really good match. WrestleMania had a couple of really good matches. Crown Jewel legitimately top to bottom was pretty good comparatively, you know, to all the other stuff that WWE has put out, not including NXT. Obviously, AEW, you know, their worst pay-per-view this year is better than WWE's best. Uh, you know, and that's saying something. Uh, you so, think it was better than the Rumble? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I, the Royal Rumble match itself was great. I'd have to look back to see what the matches were, but I think it was the best. I think it was better than the Rumble. But that's just my opinion, though. 
But yeah, so um, yeah, that's something. Doug Crown. It happened. Crown Jewel definitely happened. Um, I, I actually did watch it live because you know why not? I had breakfast. I was like, oh hey, Crown Jewel's on. I can watch that before I go to work. Cool, no problem. Um, but I, I just I don't know. It, it was one of those things that seemed a little bit too obvious. The only thing I, I think the only pick that I got wrong was the queen of the ring. I'm, I'm happy for Xavier being king of the ring. He should make that an interesting thing. Um, but I think I've already lost interest in that now that he is facing off against Roman Reigns. And it seems silly, but whatever. Uh, but queen of the ring went to Vega over Dewdrop, which again, it's WWE. They do what they want. I never understood it just due to the fact that, uh, you hear you build up Dewdrop to be this, you know, she finally got out of the shadow of the greatest women wrestler of all time. Ava Marie. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm willing to tolerate some level of blasphemy. But to quote Joey Styles, he mocks wrestling. Really? <laughs> Just <laughs> come on, man. Come on. I knew I, I knew I could get you into this segment somehow. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna be quiet, but good lord. <laughs> Eva Marie is the female version of Jinder Mahal. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh. About gender. Go watch any of the other podcasts. <laughs> Gender is way nicer than Eva Marie. Gender said that when he Marie? look like here's the thing like gender at least like he joked and like I, I I talked to somebody who met him like in a backstage you know they would did did mean greet and said you know even though he's a crappy champion one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet that's awesome doesn't mean he should be champion Eva Marie knows nothing about wrestling have you ever seen any of her like you know like the the terrible bumps that she's taken oh my goodness like. I, I will say this. I will defend gender against Eva Marie. Eva Marie makes Dana Brooke look like Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> so isolate that right there, Andy. <laughs> that, that, that is that is the tagline for this episode. <laughs> like legitimately, she is in the discussion for worst people to step in a wrestling ring who've allegedly been trained. I'm not including like Jay Leno or, you know, she's up there with like the Jackie Gata, like famous, you know, you have no idea what you're doing inside these ropes. She's awful. I have no idea why they brought her back to be anything other than a manager. I mean, just, I, I don't see it. Like I, I really have never understood. I'm glad Dewdrop. I don't even want to talk about how stupid that name is, but it was very obvious in my opinion. You look at Vega, you look at Dewdrop. I mean, which one do you think Vince, John Laurinaitis, and Bruce Pritchard really have more of a stock in? I mean, I don't have to bring it up, but it's not like this company has exactly the most progressive policies when it comes to women. So I think you can guess which one they would prefer. So that was Crown Jewel. Now we also have Survivor Series. Uh, yeah. And I, Andy, I want to ask you, like, you know, Survivor Series, uh, you know, they were did originally, this is interesting. They had had a pay-per-view called Bragging Rights. And then immediately after that Survivor Series, which was absolutely stupid. But Survivor Series over the last probably like four or five years now, they've been doing champion versus champion. So the Raw champion versus SmackDown champion. Um, but the question is this, like they just did a brand split uh, draft. And so a lot of the people that are on the Raw roster were on SmackDown before and vice versa. So is this even needed anymore, especially with the five on five matches? 
Actually, I have an idea what they could do. I think they should go back uh, 4v4, um, but I think they should have three matches, and it should be something big, as in, like, let's say Raw has more wins. Then uh, the people on Raw can challenge anyone SmackDown, and they get to put pick the, stimu- the, the stipulation in that match. Then you can call that bragging rights, because they can brag, like, hey, we won, so we're going to make you guys do this. Well, isn't that Honestly, the bragging rights pay-per-view, then? It should be bragging rights after Survivor Series. If you want to do bragging but I don't rights. See, I don't even think you have to be that complicated. There's one very easy way to do this and keep the brand split. The winning team, so let's say there's two male survivors from Raw, automatically go into a match where the winner is the number 30 entrant in the Royal Rumble. It gives you a fast track to the best spot to get to WrestleMania. That means every year, regardless of what show you're on, it is important to win this match because theoretically, number 30 gives you the best possible chance to win the Rumble. That's it. That's all you have to do. You do it for the men. You do it for the women. And now it makes sense that Seth Rollins, regardless of whether he's on Raw or SmackDown, wants to win this match because he wants to be number 30 in the Rumble. Very simple booking that has you talking about the Royal Rumble and subsequently talking about WrestleMania. And now the Survivor Series matches matter. Otherwise, who gives a crap? Nine out of the ten people were on a different show within the last two years. No one cares. This is stupid. Add an actual stipulation that matters. Now it matters. Why don't we do the draft after Survivor Series? Like, this is the um, the combine aspect. Survivor Why are we Series doing a draft? Like, shouldn't they be drafting from NXT? Like, it's not like the Packers and the Bears switch rosters every other year. Like, that's so stupid to me. Like, draft from NXT. That you have an actual developmental system that you should be drafting from. Why are you pulling from Raw? Like, could you admit, this isn't a fantasy draft. Like, oh, the Bears select Aaron Rodgers this year. I mean, you know, he does technically own you, so maybe he would select the Bears. But, I mean, you get my point, though, right? Like, it's, but, it's, it's, well, then Let's not call it the draft. Let's call it the trade. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just where you go and you go, like, all right. We've had Survivor Series. We saw some really good people were interested in this person, you know, because they were your last surviving member of this. We'll trade you all four members of our losing team for that <laughs> person. And well, a yeah, draft and, pick for NXT. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing, right? Like, if you do it after, and you can have a storyline there where, like, I don't know if you remember, I think it was Booker T, I want to say, back in the day, went from Raw to SmackDown and said, like, oh, I'm being traded to, like, the B show, you know? And so he was a heel when he got traded over, essentially. He was a face originally. He was a heel when he came over. And that was a great way to, like, set up like this story about like, wait, you think you're better than us? You know, so our storyline, that's great. You can do that with the same thing. So like, let's just say, you know, team raw, we have like, let's say, you know, Seth Rollins, you know, or no, Kevin Owens, you know, great, great, like opportunity here. Kevin Owens goes and he just like really like beats the crap out of like Jeff Hardy and he uh, cheats to win. And then he gets traded over to SmackDown, but they're, they're both faces, right? But he gets traded over and you have a feud ready to go. And he's like, wait a second. Like, Two weeks ago, you just like beat me. You like, you know, kicked me in the balls and defeated me in order to win it for your team. It's like, well, look, you know, it's for brand supremacy. It's like, yeah, well, you're on my brand now. And I don't appreciate that. And you have a feud. Like you have something ready to go. That makes sense to me. But doing it right before, as Roger said, nine out of 10 people were on different shows. Uh, I I don't understand what the rationale is for this. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I love Survivor Series. I love the concept of it. I love, you know, previous things, you know, like what they used to do in the past. I like the idea Roger had floated out there about the, being the 30th entry. I think that's really cool. I think there's a lot more you can do with this because otherwise the build up to this, you know, I, I've watched pretty much all WWE pay-per-views. 
I'm not interested in watching this because there's nothing on the line. And there aren't there isn't a blood feud here. None of these feuds are feuds where I'm like, oh, I want to see this. You know, maybe like Becky versus Charlotte, you know, because there's actually a real world feud there potentially. Other than that, like, I'm not that interested. Because you hadn't seen Becky versus Charlotte. <laughs> I know, right? Not, but not not, not, not well, Charlotte's trying to get to AEW. Yeah. <sighs> But Aren't yeah. they both heels, by the way? Just to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yes. With Charlotte being a real life heel and Becky being an in kayfabe heel, so I'm assuming the crowd sides with Becky. Yeah, I think I would so. assume. All right. Hey, let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or podcaster or you're just not happy with your web host? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script, and solves their free side by hands on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try a free demo. See how easy it is. And if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what do you got to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. Also, make sure you check... Section 86's off the mark page and click on the banner at the top. Save big on items from WShop.com. So we need to talk about the one thing that everyone's probably wondering. Why haven't we talked about all the releases? Well, we have to talk about it because it's going to take a while. Um, So we recently had some, uh, we had Ring of Honor, multiple wrestlers. I think they released everybody, if I'm correct. Everybody. Everybody has been released from their contract. Yep. So everyone's been released. What? That that's amazing to me. Uh, just the fact that they they did that. I mean that it just stinks. But also they said that they're gonna Sinclair is is still behind them and they're gonna they're gonna basically take like a few months off and then kind of redo everything. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But um, and that 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 one I think is the 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 is is not the the heart the weirdest one. WWE released multiple wrestlers, including ones they just signed and. NXT and main roster people. I mean, you had Karrion Cross, Scarlett, Keith Lee, Ember Moon, Nia Jax. I mean, like, just, I mean, I know that we can bash Nia Jax all day long, but I was surprised about Ember Moon still. I, I really, that one and Keith Lee were surprising to me because I, I thought that they would do something. I really, really thought that Keith Lee was going to be the next big, big person, but. Well, and th- those are the biggest ones. There were there was a lot more that they released as well. I know, obviously, Roger's favorite wrestler of all time, Eva Maria, was released. So, you know, RIP. Yeah, for that. you can't left her. Can't leave her out of the list. Uh, and there, there was a number of others, but the thing that surprised me, and, and I know that you guys will talk about Keith Lee, so I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Karrion Cross. Who, look, I. It, it probably because if, if you listen to the show, it sounds like he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He's not. It, like if I'm if I'm building a wrestling show, especially a WWE show, I look at the guy. I'm like, look, the guy is built very well. He has a really cool entrance. He has a hot blonde with him. He's serviceable in a ring in the ring. You know, he's better than the Ultimate Warrior. Um, and he is like I've said before, he is the heel that the face goes up against to get to the heel champion. You know, he is that he is the stepping stone essentially. And I think that he could have been used so well in that like as that person. Now, in NXT, that worked. When he got brought up on the main roster, he loses his first match in two minutes to Jeff Hardy. And you just wonder, like, what are you doing? You didn't even have Scarlett with him. You know, you, like, have this match, which didn't make any sense. It was just, like, thrown together. And you do nothing that made him special in NXT. 
you know, I don't understand the rationale behind it. Now, there's a lot of other things floating around that, you know, maybe he wasn't vaccinated. Obviously, WWE is touring. You have states that have different vaccination requirements. If they go overseas, you have a lot of vaccination um, requirements there, too, which case I understand. But from a wrestling standpoint, I don't get it. And I don't understand why he was even brought up in the first place, because in NXT, he worked. I mean, he worked down there for what they were using him for. And if you wanted to build up some faces, that's a great way to build up faces to then bring up to the main roster if that was what you were planning on doing. But I don't understand because when we look at people, like of you, if you have a lineup, Karrion Cross is somebody who we would all think that Vince McMahon would just go nuts for. He'd be like, that's my top guy, you know, or that's gonna be my, you know, number two guy or number four guy or whatever. Like he is gonna be somebody who's gonna be special on their roster. And I don't quite understand what his rationale was for letting him go other than maybe the vaccine thing. I don't know because like the gimmick they saddled him with on the main roster did not make any sense whatsoever. No, so you weren't a big fan of his uh, gimp dungeon gimmick or whatever it was. I don't know what they were doing. What, what is it with that no helmet? Idea. Why did they have the helmet? And then he made a wisecrack about it, which I thought was funny because <laughs> he first defended um, it. Then he got released and he's like, he crapped on it right afterwards. So um, I'm going to skip Keith Lee as well, because I think you two have good points that we'll probably duplicate. But I'm going to follow up on Aaron's point, because we talked about this before. There was a promo that Adam Cole did that specifically said, you know, the difference between you and I is that if you take away the girl and you take away the entrance and you take away all of the lights, there's nothing about that you that's special. Whereas when Adam Cole, all you got to do is ring the bell. Somehow the main roster heard that and went, Let's test this theory. And they took away the girl and they took away the entrance and they took away all the lights and they made him a stupid helmet. And surprise, surprise, Karen Cross didn't work anymore. It, it was it was bizarre. Like, why would you let Cole say that and then prove him to be 100 percent correct by just burying the guy? Like it was I'm not also not a Karen Cross huge fan. Like, I think he's fine and serviceable, but he's definitely the type of guy I thought Vince McMahon would slobber all over like. For one, he's got a super hot blonde in Scarlet. He's tall. He's built. He's a fine talker. He's fine in the ring. I wouldn't call him an A-plus in either one of those, but he's good enough. He's better than Braun Strowman probably in both of those areas. I would argue he's at least as good as Roman Reigns on the mic or anything like that. So I just – I don't get it. Like, you know, the other ones – yeah, I understand why Keith Lee was released. I think it's stupid, but he doesn't have the look that Vince wants. I understand why Amber Moon was released. He does, She doesn't have the look that Vince wants, a.k.a. tall, busty blonde or in Alexis case, short busty blonde um but scarlet and cross right like that just they, they seem tailor-made for exactly what vince and laura nidus and pritchard would want and somehow you know maybe it's the vaccine that thing that aaron said i don't know but it was very weird how they basically from day one said okay lose to jeff hardy in two minutes like that and that'll get you over i mean could you imagine a loss or brock lesnar's first match to the hardys being a loss in two minutes like it just makes no sense all right, so I guess I will talk about uh, Keith Lee. Um, Bearcat. The, the Bearcat. I can't, I'm sorry. They had so many, or I would, let me say it this way. They had limitless opportunities <laughs> with Keith Lee. And, and they did nothing. And now they're doing nothing with him. This is absolutely ridiculous in the aspect of... Uh, <laughs> We were there at Survivor Series. The crowd was hot for Keith Lee. They loved when he was getting into the ring and taking on the Roman Reigns, the Braun Strowmans. The, it just made sense. And everybody was there for him, and everybody was rooting for him. 
and then you're like, okay, well, let's bring him in here. Oh, oh well, he's a big guy who does little uh, or small guy moves or, or high flying moves. Well, we don't we we don't like that. We need to teach him how to how to be the the WWE big man. So we're gonna send him back to not even NXT. We're just gonna have him go learn how to be off screen. Well, then he had a a terrible COVID uh, uh, time and you know, some, some health issues there that I'm glad he got taken care of and glad that he didn't come back too soon because it seemed like, you know, he may have been one of those that may have died way too soon if he would have. So glad that he got better, but then he comes back and here you have this guy that again, it's not going to take long to build him back up. And we call him the bear claw. Okay. Was there a point? What happened to limitless? What happened to, uh, just, just Keith Lee even singing his own theme. I thought that was excellent. No, let's give him a new theme and a new look, and uh, then then he can he can do nothing. Don't forget his singlet. Well, you know that's what I meant with the new look and the aspect that it's like okay, I get it. Uh, he's not a built uh, muscular guy, but he is extremely strong. This is a guy who played for the Texas A&M Aggies. This is a guy that probably could have played in the NFL. I would assume. Um, I don't think he, I think he had an injury to a knee or something that took him out of that. But again, had it not been for that, he probably wouldn't even be in the WWE at all. He would have been a big star in the NFL. And then, then he could have came to WWE because it seems like, you know, some people like to make an appearance or anything like that, but whatever, um, you know, he could have been the next Mongo. <laughs> Mong. Here comes Mongo. Yeah, somebody else that um uh didn't mention uh or you know we talked about briefly, but Ember Moon. Um, you know I I get what right you had said, Roger. Um, the one thing is you have to have women that look different. You know you have to, and and obviously I know I'm preaching to the choir here for this, but if every woman is the tall, busty, blonde. Nobody is special, right? You know, if you have all giants, you know, everyone is seven feet tall. No one is, no one stands out. I think the thing, and I liked Ember Moon a lot. I actually thought that she stood out quite a bit because, um, you know, she's very geeky. You know, she would do different things with her hair. Like she would do a mohawk. She had a cool look and she was good in the ring. You know, I, she had a great feud with Shayna Baszler. She had a great feud, obviously, with Asuka. Uh, and on the main roster, you know, they were doing some stuff with her. She got injured. She was out for like a year, came back. Um, she's good on the mic. Like I of everybody, I really hope that AEW actually picks her up. I think Keith Lee obviously would be great to pick up, you know, for sure. But Ember Moon, because like if you want to make that women's division really solid, I think having Ember Moon there would really stand out in a sea of, uh, you know, different personalities that you have there. They added Ruby Soho recently. They're going to add Charlotte Flair, you know, uh, Ashley Flair uh, pretty soon. Having uh, Ember Moon there, I think. That's not happening. Let me be very clear on that. (laughs) Okay, so you don't think that'll happen in 2022, 2023? Nope. Or 2021. No, so here's the thing. Look, A, I don't ever believe Vince is going to let Charlotte Flair go. Tall, busty, blonde. That's that. That's exactly what he wants. That's Charlotte. Two. What's her last name? Like he's not. Exactly. He's not letting that go. Like there's just there's no need. She's always going to be pushed to the top. And let's say she does hit the free agent receive market. You know, she finally gets so toxic and so bad that WWE's had enough of her. I don't see why Tony Khan would want that. 
like look, Charlotte Flair is a very popular women's wrestler. She does not move the needle like a CM Punk. She does not move the needle like a Brian Danielson. If she is that toxic, that WWE who has showered her with 14 or 13 championships is done with her, why on earth would you want that? She's not going to bring enough eyeballs to deal with that kind of drama in the locker room. I'm not saying that Tessa Blanchard is in the same level as her, but they didn't want her, and she would have been a big help when their women's division was really struggling. Now that they've actually built up their women's division, I do not see Charlotte Flair having any value to AEW. Could she go over to NWA and absolutely dominate? 100%. Could she go to Impact and dominate? 100%. I don't see AEW signing her. I don't Eddie, care how much is there. Eddie, remember this? Because we got to play back when that happens. Yeah, I mean, look, we can have this conversation. I'll, I would be shocked if it had. For one, I don't think you're contrary for two years, so I'm safe in saying. Do you want to? If you were the whole thing with Charlotte, I do agree. I think Khan would be like, no, I, I we we are good without her because she's also going to want a lot of money and to work a handful of dates, but realistically, yeah, and creative control. So that means she's going to want to win. She, you know, she's going to probably say, I want to be champion during this, you know, like for X amount of days or whatever. But realistically, with with Rick being toxic right now, there's no reason to bring her in or, or to try and sign her for any reason. So, yeah, I do think that if anything, she would end up going to like Impact or NWA, something like that. Maybe Ring of Honor. But I do. Maybe AAA with her husband. You know what? Uh, OK, so AAA, they would probably take her as an as a favor for uh, her husband. But you know, well, you know what they did have. Uh, who's the one girl who hurt someone? Is it super sexy? Sexy star. Sexy star hurt someone in the ring on purpose, which I thought was. Anyways, so yeah, yeah, she could probably go there. But Ember, I bet will go to AEW. I think that's actually. I don't know why they wouldn't sign her at this point. But yeah, that yeah, it's tough with these re- releases. But the one thing is that is that uh, certain organizations that were going to need help, hence Ring of Honor. Um, they can sign someone like Carrion or like to Keith Lee because by the time their non competes up, Ring of Honor is going to be starting to be come back into business. So you could have basically for your first pay per view, have one of those two show up. It's going to be a big deal. Now I am interested too because Ring of Honor said that all their contracts will be null and void on January first, and they said like, hey, we're going to still like have you can wrestle with us. But like you don't have a contract with us, which is going to be different, you know, because while Tony Khan has done a really good good thing with AEW and opened the forbidden door uh, and allowed people to wrestle in multiple places, we've had AEW stars on NWA and Impact and then JPW. Um, you know, this is an opportunity here where Ring of Honor stars can go anywhere. I don't know if they're trying to go with the same you know, kind of level of thing where people can go and wrestle anywhere they want, but they would still be like, a ring of honor roster person. I don't quite understand that, but um, Doug, do you think that this is kind of bring on ring of honors trying something else out now to see, or like, what do you think? Do I think that this is ring of honor 2.0? No, I really don't. Um, I, I think that this was something that they, they need to restructure uh, their finances. Uh, I think COVID hit them a little bit harder than they were expecting or wanting. Um, I think that this was just something where they they feel like it's time to let's just hit the reset button. We're going to do the same thing over again. 
but for financial purposes, we may just need to go and, and, and reboot. We just need to step away from what we were. This is great. I don't know if one person declares bankruptcy or anything to get them out of whatever debt they have. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, look, we're back. And we just bought this for a dollar because we sold off our assets for a dollar to this person to bring it all back to ring of honor 2.0. Okay. Um, so it's just I, I think they did right by the wrestlers though to to not make them uh, be in the same problem aspect of uh, you can't compete or you can't go anywhere. Here you go. You know we we respect the 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 wrestlers. We want them to be on TV. We want them to be seen. We want them to be pushed. Uh, we can't give them the push that they're going to be needing right now because we need to step back and restructure. So I think they'll be back. They'll be doing basically the same thing. It's going to be a lot of the, I won't say no name independent people, but some of the, some of the people that are, I mean, and, and truly Ring of Honor is its own little independent. It's just the, probably the biggest independent uh, program out there or one of the biggest independent programs out there. So I think it's just going to be a matter of time before they come back to, to what they are and be the, the true stepping stone to get to anywhere to WWE or AEW or, or whatnot. So they're, 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 they are the nice, uh, double a farm league. Now, Roger, um, is there anyone on the ring of honor roster that you're like, Oh, you know what? They should totally go here. Like this person screams impact or screams WWE or AEW. Like, is there anyone that you think could really benefit, uh, you know, outside of ring of honor right now? I thought Dalton Castle was a good fit for Impact. I know they're very character-driven, so I think he could do some really good work over there. Um, It's interesting. You know, you mentioned that – I think it was Doug actually who mentioned um, COVID hitting them hard. I actually don't think it was COVID that particularly hit them as hard as NXT becoming a new super indie that really – because, you know, before NXT took off, Ring of Honor was the place where the best indie stars would all gather, and then you'd get signed by either what was formerly TNA or WWE. Um, But then kind of once NXT filled that void, Ring of Honor was kind of stuck. You know – the, the problem is in later years, I don't know that their roster was as strong anymore. You know, Jay Lethal would have been another one, but he obviously already signed. The Briscoes, you have to be careful with them because they have some controversial stuff that they do, so they can't really be on an AEW-type place. I don't even know if Impact probably wants to touch them. Um, you know, Kenny King was a guy I always thought maybe would break out sooner, but he never really did. You know, their roster is just... Dan Housen, that's the guy. He's the one that's, I want him in AEW. Yeah, he he's the guy I, I would 100% say he's AEW. EC3 should probably go back to Impact. The one thing I'll say is this. I think Ring of Honor should be bought by AEW and turned into a secondary brand. I think it would be much better if, you know, this reminds me a lot of, if you remember when TNA kind of transitioned from TNA to Impact, and they basically did a bunch of tapings that kind of reset things because they were struggling financially. I think it's best to just let Ring of Honor be folded into the AEW brand, let them be a developmental, let the guys who aren't getting enough time in AEW go work at Ring of Honor. And then every now and then you can have like the Ring of Honor World Championship defended on, you know, an AEW Dynamite, and that's totally fine. I just, I don't know that I see a place for them in the modern wrestling anymore. Like, I, I think they're done. And the best thing could happen to them is let that library and let that brand be of use to AEW. Roger, you said something that it, it triggered something. Tony Khan talked about um, like how he how they 
focus on advertising because you know dealing with nfl and all that stuff that so you get like he can get better deals out of things and stuff what if this is what what they're planning because they're still signing people this could that could be it because you could potentially then have i mean you don't have to have that full roster they had you can even take some of your guys that are on dark and throw them on ring of honor but if he can actually negotiate the tv deal through sinclair that's a huge thing because he knows what to do and he's going to want money and then he can sign other people or have other things for the wrestlers. That makes yeah. great sense if if he was to buy it, but on the condition that he he's locked into a basically a TV deal with them because Sinclair is everywhere. So mm-hmm. that could be a huge thing. So, yeah. Like Bischoff always said, it's about the TV deal and it's about the brand. The wrestlers, they got the wrestlers in AEW. We've talked about how big that roster is. You had the Ring of Honor. They can use a good 50% of their rosters not doing nothing and let them, you know, a Lee Moriarty, a Dante Martin. All of those guys could get plenty of work time in Ring of Honor. One of them can be the Ring of Honor TV champion. You let those matches happen mm-hmm. on Dark, Dark Elevation, Rampage. I, I just think there's a lot of good opportunity to let that brand be the developmental. When you're done and you say, hey, you've already become the Ring of Honor world champion. Champion. We think you're ready for the big show. Come on up. And they can even do something. And I'm now I should probably shut up, but uh, they can even do something where like, hey, such and such is going to appear or CM Punk for the first time in like 15 years is going to show up in Ring of Honor. And then, you know, you would sell that show easily. Um, Same with Danielson. Yep. And the thing is, and you could do indie shows like, you know, 200, 300 people constantly, because if you knew that that one superstar is going to come up, those tickets are going to sell super fast. So. Yeah, that that that's the that's a great great thing. Oh my gosh, I really hope that happens. Well, and you could have too feuds that would take place. Like for example, Jay Lethal signing with AEW, he could go back and wrestle on Ring of Honor, let's say, and be like, oh, what you think you're good for too good for us now? Like, and then you have like let's say a two on one, like you know, just a beatdown of him, you know, where like the Briscoes attack him, and they're like, what you think you're too good for us? And they just like beat the crap out of him. And then you you have a feud built right there, you know, and it's built on the fact that like, oh, he thinks he's better than us, you know, and then you have that shade of gray too, where like, let's say you're in like, you know, on the East Coast and it's the Ring of Honor crowd and they are like, wait, we like Jay Lethal though, but like, yeah, he did leave. So like, do we boo him? Like what, what is going to take place here? You know, and like, you know, to your point, like Sam Punk obviously coming back, it'd be amazing. So yeah, I think that'd be a, a really good idea. I don't know if they would do it. You know, obviously there's a lot of money that's involved in it. And, you know, there, you have a large roster. You obviously wouldn't take everybody, but, you know, you could take the big players potentially like, you know, maybe like 30% of them or so um, to potentially keep that brand go- going and obviously fuel it up with some of the AEW crowd too. True. And, you know, there's other, okay, you can go off tangent, but you could even do stuff like we're uh, live, like uh, not just uh, like you could have like TV tapings done at like an AEW show. And then, you know, you do something potential or, well, I don't, I you don't want to do that because WWE did that with ECW anyways. Um, so, you know, I, the one thing I, I was actually shocked about though. So Bronson Reed got released, wasn't doing anything. And he came back and actually showed up in NJPW, which I was really shocked about. So with, you know, him going there is a, I think a big deal. Cause I think he's going to, he's going to be up there, uh, in that scene. And I think he'll be with NJPW for a few years. But with him going there, AEW has people, Impact, you know, what about uh, Impact? Are they going to capitalize on any of these releases? I think at the end of the day, I, I think I think some people, I think 
guys who got released from the main roster, I don't think that's a problem. I think they're going to go somewhere. I I think you know Lee and I think uh, Cross and and I think Jax to well Jax somewhat, but at least with uh, Lee and Cross, I think they they're going to go to if Ring of Honor is not bought like we fantasy booking. Um, I believe that they'll go there because that would be perfect for them because they're going to be huge stars there because they're former <laughs> WWE guys. You brought them into Ring of Honor. I think that would be a, a big deal. But you know, is is there you know with, even with that like. Do you think that the indie scene overall is going to be better? I mean, what do you think, Doug? Um, better? I, I don't know. It's it's really going to be. Um, I mean, you, there's already so many pools of wrestlers and everything like that. Um, I always find it interesting every time I read about an AEW wrestler who is now a current champion of some other promotion. Um, like Moxley was for, was it, uh, GCW? That's what I want to say it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I, I think even, uh, orange Cassidy has a couple independent title holders right now. Um, but it's, you're always going to have that where you have your one off or your person that brings in the, the big crowd to, to your independent show, uh, with ring of honor being gone, I think you're going to just get an influx of those people going back to the independence and saying former ring of honor. So you get a lot of that. You'll, you know, bring some, some people in probably to shows just because uh, you can say former ring of honor person, this is going to be at our show or this person is now our champion. Um, but since a lot of them came from set in their independence anyway, it's just them going back to where they were before, before they got to ring of honor. So it's, it's going to be more of the same. I think. I don't know if it's better. Um, you know, I, I think wrestling is better when you have multiple options. When ring of honor was at its peak, when, when impacts STNA was at its peak, you know, AEW at its peak right now. I think wrestling overall, you know, NJPW pre-pandemic was doing very well. I think it's better when you have more options because, you know, look, it's Ring of Honor may not have been what it was when it had AJ, Joe, and Brian, but it was another good place for wrestlers to get opportunities, get exposure, get work, get paid. Without that, you know, it, it becomes crowded. So, yeah, you know, the guys at the top, like you said, you know, Braun Strowman will be fine. Uh, Bray Wyatt will get signed somewhere. But it's that mid-level. It's that low-level. Those people who need those opportunities, they get squeezed out, and that's what sucks. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope there's an answer for Ring of Honor, whether it's AEW buying them or them restructuring and being fine. I, I would like to see – you know, NXT used to be their place. Obviously, it's kind of turned into a little bit different. It's more of like a college football, I guess, to be the best example, where it's, it's you know very young, built guys, and that's about it. Yeah, you know, hopefully NJPW gets a foothold in America because there's a lot of talent. I mean, there's so much talent out there that at some point AEW just can't be the option for everyone. There needs to be a second option, a third option. You know, I think Impact is based in Canada, so obviously not the option for everyone. You just you need you know you need more options. The truth be told, um, I think independent wrestling is a very good thing and it's a necessity, but you you got to have stability, right? You know, it was really bad when you only had WWE and TNA and ring of honor. It's not much better right now. It's getting better because of AEW and the forbidden door, but it's got a long way to go. All right. So that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow show at Altamark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes. And until next time, 
We'll see you in the ring. 